Okay, we are, um, we're actually working through the book of 1 Corinthians, but we're going to take a detour today. I had a, <laughs> we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, actually, we're going to begin chapter 7 uh, when we get back to it. We've gone through the first six verses. Um, not, not easy material to go through. It's pretty challenging in terms of dealing with, you know, with real issues. Um, but you know, it's in the Bible and we need to deal with, with real issues, right? But today we're going to, going to take a detour. Um, and I just really felt the Lord was, I'm sorry, let me, let me just see if I can do something here to give myself a little more room. I felt like the Lord was really um, challenging me to challenge you today. And we're going to talk about walking by faith. Um, Oh, one one other thing. If you're visiting here, I know some of you guys are are visiting for the first time. That connection card in your chair back, if you would not mind, if you'd be so kind as to put your name and your contact information. I promise I'm not going to like sell your information or bug you. The only thing I want to do is maybe send you a nice email and thank you for coming and get some feedback from you. Um, but uh, if you would be so kind as to do that, I would sure appreciate it. Or if you're here and you've been here for a while and maybe something has changed and you need to update contact information, you as well. Or if you have a prayer request, take that connection card and use it to communicate to us perhaps uh, prayer requests that you might have. Amen? Okay. Sorry. I'm really having problems. I don't know what the problem is here. Okay. I want to talk to you about walking by faith. Um, some of you know, uh, some of you don't know. Um, if you remember, about three weeks ago, we came back to you. Um, about a year and a half ago, actually it's about two years ago uh, or more, more than two years ago, as you know, we were approached to, to possibly take the old middle school campus. And about a year and a half ago, we were in negotiations with the school. This is something that we were not seeking. It literally just, like, dropped in our lap. And uh, it was quite a surprise. Um, so this has been um, ongoing for about a year and a half. And, and for about the last year, we just kind of put it to bed because our prayer all along was, God, if you want this, open the door, keep it open. Uh, if you don't, close the door. And we, we really felt like about a year ago, God closed the door. And uh, the city stepped in. The city was going to looking at taking this building. And so we just really kind of said, okay, that was our answer. God closed the door. I, I don't know, about three weeks ago, I guess, uh, the door just kind of flew open again. And I was contacted by the school and asked if we'd come back and present to the school board again. We did that. And then uh, um, someone from the city council contacted me, and they were going to put it on the agenda for the city council. And, and uh, they asked if, if we would come to that meeting. Actually, I could not, did not make that meeting. Uh, and I really didn't want to be at that meeting anyways because I didn't want to. I just wanted to see what they were going to do. And so I got to that meeting late and Someone told me, they said, if we get that building, it will truly be a miracle from God. And I said, hey, that's fine, you know, it, that's, that's fine. 
Um, a week after that, or actually at, at that meeting, I was told by city officials that they were going to convene a special informal meeting of all interested parties, and they would let me know when that was. Well, that meeting was last week. It was Wednesday. And so, um, my, I'll be honest, my expectations weren't real high. I kind of thought it's going to be more of the same, you know, more talking. And, and, and I really had come to a place of peace where I said, God, I don't really care whether we get this building or not. This is up to you. And so we go to that meeting, and um, I'll be honest with you, my, I, I, just, I, I sat there for about an hour and didn't say anything, just listening to various people that were represented there from the city to the school to uh, Temple College Foundation to all, all kinds of people. And I just kind of sat there and listened to them talking. Um, I kind of felt like a bump on a log, you know? Kind of felt like I was a little out of place with all these people there, and they're talking about all this stuff. And finally, um, they said, "You know what? You know." And the city manager's like, "Do you guys want this building?" They're like, "We don't want the building." Do you guys want this building? He said, "I just want to be able to go back and report to my council." He said, "Because I want us out of this." And he said, "The negotiations need to go back to what they were a year and a half ago." And he was embarrassingly apologetic to me. He said, I'm so sorry we got involved in this and delayed all this. You know, I said, hey, man, don't apologize to me. I said, God's in control of this, not, not you and not me. So long story short, uh, at that meeting, the mantra at that meeting was, give it to the church. Give it to the church. Just give it to the church. That was everybody's, all those organizations, that was their thing. Now, that's not official. That's an unofficial meeting between staff and board members of organizations, but a board is going to have to ultimately make this decision, but um, the superintendent has been given the authority to liquidate this building and the recommendation by everybody, by the only parties that were believed to be interested in that building, their recommendation was give it to Christ Fellowship. So, will that happen? I will not count my chickens before they hatch. We've been there, we've done that, we're not going to do it again. Does it appear that God has given us, dare I say, supernatural favor? Um, it appears that way. Now, you might say, why are we talking about this this morning? Well, uh, I think it's real important because... Uh, whether you're here for the first time or whether you've been here since um, before I was. This affects all of us. And this is really all, uh, I don't know, I'm just kind of, it's kind of surreal to me that we're looking at the prospect of being given free and clear six and a half acres and about 70,000 square feet of building right in the heart, literally, if you look at a map of Taylor, it's literally right in the center of our community that already houses ministries and agencies that are ministering to the poor and needy. And they just want to give that to us. Now, some people, I'm going to present a balanced picture here, okay? 
what would it take for us to go out and purchase six and a half acres and build 70,000 square feet, a full gymnasium, you know, 25,000 feet of classroom and another building? Well, it, it would take tens of millions of dollars for us to do that today, and the reality is we'd never be able to do it. At least not, I don't think in... I mean, God can do anything, right? I mean, some of you lottery players could win the Powerball and you could build it for us, right? That could happen. I know that could happen. But I don't really want to, you know, I don't want to just put my hope in whether you're going to win the Powerball or not, okay? (laughs) I'd rather put my hope in God. (laughs) So it's really an unprecedented opportunity that could that could happen now i've also had people tell me you're you're crazy if you take that building do you know how big it is i I had someone this week tell me it's overwhelming for me i can't do it And, and i'll be honest with you there are people that 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 will not they've just chosen to not be a part of of moving to that building They just feel like it's not what God's called them to do. And you know what? That's fair. That's fair. Because it is big and it is overwhelming if we are trying to do it in our own strength and our own power. Now, here's the thing. I wasn't looking for a building, at least not there. We bought 10 acres out on the loop. That's where I thought we were going to build, right? And you all know what happened there. I mean, just like this roadblock, no water, no sewer, no infrastructure, can't do it. I mean, just to get those things in place would be hundreds of thousands of dollars before we ever even started breaking ground for a building. And then out of nowhere, it's almost like a joke. Would you guys take this campus if we gave it to you? I'm like, you're kidding me, right? Are you serious? No, we're serious. And, and this was the, these were the words of the person who approached me. And they said, we need someone who understands what's going on at that building. And your church has a heart and a vision for this community because you guys have demonstrated it over the years. Because they knew that Shepherd's Heart was birthed out of Christ Fellowship. They knew that Christ Fellowship has, has been involved in doing those things. And they said, we don't want to entrust what... We have worked hard to establish there to someone who's going to just toss it all away. We believe you guys get it because your heart is to minister to people. And I thought that was a huge compliment for Christ Fellowship. That someone, to be honest with you, if I would have just had to guess, I wouldn't have even known if this person telling me this was a Christian or not. Because I just knew them from a distance. But yet, and here's a lesson, church. I want you to hear this. This person obviously had been watching Christ Fellowship Church for quite a long time. And they would see, you know, when was it when we started meeting with a group of high school students back in, what was it, guys, 2004? 2004, 2003, we'd meet at 6.30 when Java Junction opened. They used to open at 6.30 in the morning. We had a group of students, and we started meeting at 6.30 on Thursday mornings. 
and we do Bible study. And, and that person that approached me initially, they would come in there and they, they knew. And they came in one day and they said, what are you guys doing here? And we said, oh, we're just, you know. Now, obviously, people watch our lives. You don't know who's watching your life, but people are watching your life. If our Christianity is only about what happens inside these four walls on a Sunday, we are missing it. Because our Christianity better be about much more than what happens inside these four walls on a Sunday or on a Wednesday or or any other time we have a gathering here. Our Christianity better be about who we are and how we carry ourselves and things we do everywhere we go. Because all of this that has happened, if it tells me nothing else, if we don't get the building, it tells me that people are watching us. And our lives, I've never been out in the community and got up at Heritage Square or gone to city council or gone to the school board and preached a sermon and told them what I thought um, or what Christ Fellowship believed or what Christ Fellowship wanted to do. I've never done that. I don't consider myself a very visible person in the community. I mean, I pastor a small church. I mean, you got to work really hard to find us most of the time, right? That's why, you know, I ask our, you know, Jackie and them today, uh, how did you find us? Because I'm always interested, how did you find us? Because we're not the easiest place to find. Thank God for the Internet, right? Because now there's a map on there. Now you just can look at the map. So people are watching, and it seems as though God has put before us this unbelievable opportunity that presents, let me add, unbelievable challenges. That will bring to us unbelievable amounts of blood, sweat, and tears. Hard work. But just speaking for myself, I get up week in and week out, and I preach the gospel, and I talk about how we're to be the salt of the earth and the light in the world. How we're to go out and infiltrate our community And be the expression of Christ to those around us. That we can't wait for the world to come into our doors. That the the commission that God's given us is not attract people from every corner into your building and then preach the gospel to them. The commission is to go to the people and make disciples of them. We can't go to the people inside the building. We go to the people outside the building. So we preach this. And some people, quite frankly, are tired of hearing that. And I refuse. I don't really have, as my friend Gatana, I have no other message. <laughs> Gatana comes, he says, For God so loved the world. I love Gatana my little Ethiopian friend. And Gatana says, I have no other message. 
Church, we have no other message. And so God has brought this unbelievable opportunity. It appears it may all go away. I'm, I'm hesitant to even say a whole lot, but I just feel led of God to, to just share this with you today. Because we all need to ask ourselves, building or no building, if we stay right here until Jesus comes, we still need to ask ourselves, are we walking by faith or are we walking by sight? Church, are you walking by faith or are you walking by sight? Open your Bibles to the book of Numbers. I am absolutely being driven mad by this thing here. I really apologize. I normally tuck it in my shirt, and I don't have it tucked in my shirt today. Numbers chapter 13 and 14. I'm not going to read all of this to you. Some of you already know this story. I want to unashamedly challenge you today, not because we may be given a building and a campus. I want to unashamedly challenge you today because God has commissioned us to do something. And what he's commissioned us to do really has nothing to do with buildings, this one or any other. Regardless of how small or how large, it's not about buildings. It's about the gospel It's about what God has commissioned us to do and who he has ordained us to be. You know, as we've taught through the book of 1 Corinthians, we've we've said this, that that what Paul is really talking about is identity. What's our identity? It's not about our behavior. It's not about learning to modify or manage our sinfulness. It's about our identity. Either we are light or we are not. Either we're in Christ or we are not. If we're in Christ, then we have become partakers of the divine nature. I'm not a sinner because I sin. I sin because I'm a sinner. And I don't need a Savior because I'm having problems managing my sinfulness. I need a Savior because I am born inherently in sin and there is nothing I can do to get myself out of sin. I am born in death and there is nothing I can do to get myself out of death. The only one that can raise me from the dead, the only one that can take away my sin is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I am born again by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, something powerful happens. Something transformational happens. I am changed at the very core of who I am This is why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17, he said, though we are no longer known according to the flesh, even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if any man, if any woman, if any child be in Christ, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And verse 18 begins with, now all things are of God. 
This is the power of what has happened to us through the new birth in Christ. We're commanded to trust God. And in Numbers 13 and 14, the children of Israel have come out of Egypt. They're three months out of Egypt. Hear me. And they pack up and they make a three-day journey to the entrance of the promised land. And they send in 12 spies. And 12 spies spy out the land for 40 days. And at the end of 40 days, those 12 spies come back carrying a cluster of grapes on a big pole between two men and other assorted items from the land that flows with milk and honey. And they come back and they assemble. And Moses and Aaron and the people are there. And Moses basically says, what say ye? And Joshua and Caleb said, let's take the land. Let's do it right now. Let's not wait. Let's not go around go. Let's not collect $200. Let's go now, for God has given us the land. The other ten said, oh, wait a minute. No, not so fast. There's giants in the land. And they begin to tell all the reasons why they can't. And I want, I want to read to you the last verse of chapter 13. This is what the ten said. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, come from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. And that day, Israel did not trust God and they did not enter into the promise. And as a consequence of that, they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. Do you hear me? They came right to the mouth of the promised land. And they ended up wandering for 40 years in the wilderness. Now this is a hard, it's a hard deal. Because the Bible says that every person of that generation, except Joshua and Caleb, fell in the wilderness. And the only ones of that generation... At that time, when the 40 came back, everyone 20 and above, except for Joshua and Caleb, died in the wilderness. And only Joshua and Caleb were that generation that entered into the promise because they were the only ones that had faith. Now, this speaks to a lot of things that we don't have time to talk about today. First and foremost, it namely speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because our promised land is not some piece of real estate on this earth. Our promised land ultimately is Jesus Christ. And that's why you will only enter that promise by faith. You can't work yourself there. You can only by faith enter that promise. So God says, okay, you guys. That's the way you want it. You're going to wander in this wilderness 40 years. This generation is going to die. 
Oh, well, wait a minute, God. No, we'll go. Not too late. No, really, we'll go. They assemble an army, and they get ready. They go in, and God tells Moses, he said, don't send the ark, and don't go with them. Because they're going to be defeated. Sure enough, they go in. They try to overcome, and they're defeated. They're driven back. And so they wander for 40 years. Now, turn over to Joshua, the book of Joshua, after Deuteronomy. So after 40 years of wandering and all that happened there, they come back to the promised land. Moses climbs the mountain. He sees the promised land from afar. He's not going to enter in. He says, Joshua, Yeshua. (laughs) What a coincidence. It was Yeshua who took them into the promise. No, it wasn't a coincidence. Moses, who represented the law, brought them to the place of promise, but it was Yahshua who took them into the promise. Paul says, the law is my tutor that brought me to Christ. The law is my tutor that taught me my need of a Savior. The law couldn't save me. It could only bring me to the Savior. And so Joshua is now ordained to lead them into the promised land. I want you to look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Joshua 1, 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now look at verse 9. Have I not commanded you? It's a question. Have I not commanded you? You notice what it doesn't say? It doesn't say, have I not suggested to you? Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I would rather step out in faith and fail trying than fail to never step out. To try and fail is better than to never try. Would you agree with that? To try and fail is better than to never try. To never try is to risk neither failure nor success. To try is to risk either failure or success. We are guaranteed only one if we never try. You will fail to achieve what you fail to attempt. 
I'm really not trying to just give you a bunch of success motivation stuff today. That's really not my style. But I think these are true things. These are just some thoughts, you know, that, that I had to reflect on. Why didn't the children of Israel, why did they not want to go into the promised land? I mean, think about it. This is mind-boggling to me. You read, you read Exodus and you read everything that they witnessed in Egypt. I mean, all the great and mighty works that God did. They get up to the Red Sea and immediately they're complaining. And, okay, let's give them a break. You got an ocean on one side and you got an Egyptian army on the other. And they have nowhere to go. I, I could see where you could get a little, you know, antsy, right? But I mean, after all though, I mean, now stop and think about it. This, this is God. Here is the, the pillar of fire there. And God's like, what are you guys waiting for? Go! It's like, uh, did you notice there's an ocean right there? But they go. I mean, God parts it. And they go across on dry land. They come to the promised land after having experienced all that they experienced. Some people have accused me of being anti-experience. I'm really not. I, I, I have had more experiences, and I've had some of the most unbelievable experiences in God. I mean, I've had some just plain weird things happen. But I don't have faith today because of my experiences. And my faith is not based simply on my experiences. My experiences affirm what this word has declared. No experience, many experience, it doesn't change this word. Our salvation, our faith must be based on that which Jesus declared would never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, listen, tongues and prophecies, they'll pass away. Give your body to be burned, gain the whole world, have enough faith to move mountains have enough wisdom to solve all the world's problems, but if you don't, have love. What is love? Love is the fruit of the Spirit. It's the very defining essence of who God is because God is love. If you don't have God, if you don't have the manifestation of His life, you don't have the reality of Christ in you, the hope of glory, and that hope and that glory is not being shown forth and manifest to the world around you, then you can do what you want, you can gift what you want, you can, you can do all of this, you can perform miracles till the cows come home, but the real test is does your tree have any fruit? Because fruit on your tree indicates that there's life. There's a root. And there's life that flows from that root that manifests out through those branches. And the children of Israel are here. And they've witnessed these things. They've experienced these things. But yet, they come to the very promised land. And God says, go, I give you the land. You're going to take, listen, this really, you're going to take 
and live in cities you didn't build. I don't know. Is is God maybe giving Christ Fellowship a building that they didn't build? I don't know. Maybe. You're going to eat of vineyards you didn't plant. I'm giving you the land. All you have to do is go in there and, and fight for it. Ah, there's the catch. God, if you would just destroy all the obstacles in our way and get rid of all the giants while we wait right here, and then you, when you let us know that there's no more giants and no more obstacles, then we'll be happy to go and take the land. God says, no, that's not the way it works. Because that requires absolutely no faith on your part. And Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now, I didn't write the book. I didn't set it up. I didn't make it that way. God, God made the rules, not me, right? I'm just the messenger. So don't stone the messenger because you don't like the message. This is, this is the way God has set it up. God says, no, it doesn't work that way. I'm giving you the land, but you guys are going to have to go in and you're going to have to fight for it. And you will be opposed. And yes, there are giants in the land. But is God bigger than giants? And they said, no, God. And the reason they said no is because they were more fearful of failing. They were so fearful of failing, they said, you know what? As a matter of fact, can we find a leader that will just take us back to Egypt? God says, no, my people are going to enter my promise. But they're only going to enter it one way. They're going to enter it by faith. And what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. The giants and the obstacles will be eliminated. Yeah, but we don't see that right now, God. Yeah, that's why you need faith. Faith in what? We're too little. Look, God, in our own eyes, we're like grasshoppers. That's the problem. You keep looking at yourself. You keep comparing yourself to the obstacles before you. Nowhere does the Bible say, look to yourself. The Bible says, look to God. Matter of fact, Paul even writes twice, when you look in the mirror, it shouldn't be you that you're seeing, it should be Christ that you're seeing. And if you'll just keep looking into the face of Christ, you will be being transformed in greater and greater measure into that very image. But if we're going to look at ourselves, yeah, we're like grasshoppers. So the children of Israel could only see the risk of failure, so they did not take the promised land. God told Joshua, he said, meditate in this book, in this word, day and night. God's word and God's spirit prepare the way for our success. Success is fulfilling his will. Success is overcoming by faith the obstacles and the giants that block 
the way of his will. If we're only looking at the obstacles that the culture and the world present to us, we will never go out preaching the gospel. If we only look at the obstacles and the reasons why people don't want to believe in Christ or don't want to accept the church, we will never go out and make disciples because we will only be looking at the obstacles until we can see beyond the obstacles and trust God to take care of those giants and to take care of those obstacles, whether they're financial or whether they're emotional, whether they're cultural, whatever they are, until we trust Him to give us success, until we trust Him to give us the grace and the ability to walk in His will. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And listen, this is not about name it and claim it, pie in the sky theology, because that's not who I am. But there is something real about walking by faith. There is something real about obedience as we walk by faith and not by sight. This is about trusting a God who calls us to step out in faith. This is about trusting a God who calls those things which are not as though they are. That's not magic. That's not mysticism. That's faith in a God who is able to do above and beyond what we can think or ask or imagine. When we walk by sight... All we may see are giants. When we walk by sight, at best we may see the promise, but our vision will always be diverted and skewed by the giants we face, and so we will see ourselves as grasshoppers in our own sight. Do you notice what the children of Israel said? We see ourselves as grasshoppers, and so they see us. Did you? They didn't say they see us as grasshoppers. They said, we see ourselves as grasshoppers. And so that's how they see us. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a grasshopper in relation to the problems, the challenges that you face in your life? I'm I'm just willing to bet if you're like me, I'm just a regular guy. You've got to be facing some challenges in your life, right? I mean, you've got to be... Believe in God, trust in God, hoping and praying for a miracle. I mean, I, I, could, I could make you a long list of miracles that I need in my life. Cindy Whaley needs a miracle in her life. She needs a miracle for her life. We're going to pray for you today before we leave. She went to MD Anderson and she goes back on the 20th. And so far, they've been encouraging and hopeful, and she's got to get her magnesium level up. So pray for Cindy's magnesium level so she can begin her treatment. Pray for her miracle, whether it comes through medical technology or whether it comes by the supernatural hand of God. however God chooses to do it. When we walk by faith, we see the giants and we see the obstacles, but greater than that, we see Jesus. 
Are you with me, church? We see the giver of the promise and we see the provider even when we don't yet see the provision. We better look for the provider before we look for the provision. Because if we find the provider, if we trust in the provider, then then we're not going to worry about the provision. If we understand that we're not our own, that this building, this church, what we call Christ Fellowship, is not ours. It's His. If He wants to give us a six and a half acre campus and 70,000 square feet of building, He can do that. And we can accept it or we can say, we can't afford it. And I would be the first to say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I don't, we don't have enough money in the bank to carry this thing for three years, five years. No, we don't. We've we got enough money in the bank to carry it for maybe a year or two. But you see the fallacy there? Who are we talking about carrying it? Do we, really, do we want to carry it one day? I don't want to carry it. Do you want to keep carrying your problems? Do you want to keep carrying your challenges? Or do you want God to teach you and to show you and to enable you and to give you the grace to cast those things on Him because He cares for you? Jesus said such silly things in his Sermon on the Mount, like, don't worry about life. Look at the birds. If I walked up to somebody or somebody walked up to me and said, what are you worried about? Look at the birds. You know, you might just want to slap them in the face, right? But yet, it's exactly what Jesus said. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about where your provision is going to come from. I take care of the birds. I take care of the flowers. Ah. You are of infinitely more value than they. I will take care of you. We need to see the provider even when we don't see the provision. When we walk by faith, we see the promise and all that it holds for those of faith to come and to take what God has promised. When we walk by faith, we will not see ourselves as small or large. We will see God who reigns above all. Do you understand that? God reigns above all. It's not about how small or how big we are. It's about who God is. It's about Him. So, when we think about when we think about what God has promised, we go back to Joshua. And you go back to verse nine. With God's promise, God gives a command. Now, this is true 
Church, this is true for your life. This has nothing to do with campuses or buildings. This has to do with how you live your life. How you're going to believe God and trust God for the provision you need today, for the provision you need tomorrow. How you're going to trust God and believe God for the miracle you might need in your health, for the miracle you might need in your family. for the miracle that person in your family needs, for the salvation of your children, for the salvation of your brother, of your mother, of your father, whoever. Whatever it is you're trusting God for, whatever's going on in your life that seems like like this giant obstacle or seems like this giant that's bearing down on you, or you feel like God's encouraging you to step out in faith, but you can only see all the reasons why you can't do it. As Joshua is getting ready to command the children of Israel, and he is getting ready to tell them to assemble together, get your stuff ready, we are getting ready to cross over the Jordan and take this land. And here's what God says. God asks a question. Have I not commanded you? What has God commanded? He says, be strong. Where are we strong, church? We're strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We're not strong in ourselves. As a matter of fact, Jesus told Paul, in your weakness, Paul, my strength is made perfect. commanded to be strong. We're commanded to be of good courage. We're commanded to fix, to focus, to renew our mind in the Lord. To not faint, to not focus on the obstacle, but to focus on the one who will overcome the obstacle. To not focus on the lack of provision, but to focus on the provider. To not focus on the impossibility of the promise, but to focus on the one who has given the promise. Be of good courage. He commands Joshua and the children of Israel, and so he commands us, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Don't let fear grip your heart. Don't let fear paralyze you. Don't let fear rule your life. Don't let fear drive your decisions. Let faith. Let faith. He commands, do not be afraid. Fear not. And then he commands this. And do not be dismayed. That word dismayed is an interesting word. It comes from a root Hebrew word that means to prostrate oneself. To to lay out face first on the ground. And what this pictures is that God says, don't be terrorized. Don't become so terrorized by the things that you are facing that you melt before 
your giants and you melt before your obstacles and you, you just fall as one dead. Don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Don't let them beat you down. Don't let them discourage you. This is what this word means. Physically or emotionally. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go, God is with you, church. Wherever you go, God is with you. Jesus said, go therefore to all the nations, make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them all that I've commanded. Lo, I am with you even until the end of the age. We're going to either walk by faith or we're going to walk by sight. Whether we stay on the corner of Mills and McLean or whether we're given a campus, it doesn't matter. You're going to either walk by faith or you're going to walk by sight. As you trust God to provide for your family, to meet your needs, hopefully to get beyond those basic physical needs, and you begin to trust God and believe God that he would use you to impact those around you with the power of the gospel. That you would begin to understand that church is not just about us coming to this building and hearing a motivating talk or studying our Bibles and getting more Bible knowledge under our belt. But we come here, the Bible says, to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. And the work of the ministry is to fulfill, to fulfill what Jesus has commanded us to do. That we would be disciples going and making disciples. That we would actively seek to go into our neighborhoods, to go into our families, to go into our workplaces, to go into the places where we play and recreate. And that we go and we carry the gospel with us that we live with an overflow of the gospel, that as people watch our lives, and we don't even know that they're watching our lives, but one day it just comes to light that they have been watching our life, that we live with an understanding that people, whether we know it or not, people are watching, that your life is communicating something. What is it communicating? Does it communicate that you walk by faith or that you walk by sight? Does it communicate that your trust is in Jesus Is he just another religion? Is he just a place you go on Sunday? Or is he your life? You must, Christian, you must come to understand that Christ is your life in every way that means. In every way you can take that, that's exactly what it means. He is your life. Just like You couldn't live without a heart beating in your chest. You cannot live apart from Christ. He is your very life. Do you know him? Do you trust him? There is a world out there, and their greatest need is Christ. Are you willing to take Christ to the world? Can we start in Taylor, Texas? Let's all stand. Will you walk by faith? I would encourage you to pray.
pray that God would make his will clear. Our prayer has been, God, if you don't want us to have that building, then close the door. It seems as though the door has flung open. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to take, if you think it's taken faith for us to get where we are, it's going to take a lot of faith. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of commitment. But this cannot be about buildings. This can't just be about physical structures. We've got to understand what this is about. This is about the kingdom of God. This is about the gospel of Christ. This is about touching lives with the transforming power of the gospel. We can't wait till we get a campus to do that. That needs to begin. It needs to already be taking place right here and right now. And this is my prayer for you, church, that God, by His Spirit, would just begin to stir your hearts and open your eyes and enlighten your understanding. That you've been called to go to the world and to make Him known, to let His light shine. Please don't hide His light. Please don't walk by sight. Please don't be afraid of the giants and the obstacles. Trust Him. Trust Him to give you the ground of men's hearts for the glory of His kingdom. Amen? Amen. Father, we ask You today that You would do just that. That You would move in our hearts. That You would, by the power of Your Spirit, God, move us from fear to faith. That God, if we are walking by sight. Lord, if we're too focused on the giants, Lord, we don't want to live in denial. We know there are giants and there are obstacles. We know the battle is difficult. But we believe, God, that you are greater. And if you called us to enter the land, then you will give us the land, regardless of what giants and what obstacles may be there. Lord, I pray for each person here today. I pray for every family represented here today. I pray for every person here today. Whatever obstacles, whatever giants they may be facing, whatever it is, Lord God, that they see in their life that seems overwhelming, that seems more than they are able to deal with. And Lord, they just want to melt away. Lord, they just want to shrink away from the from the magnitude of what it might be that they're facing. Father, I pray that you would just cause faith to rise up in their hearts. I pray, God, that you would show yourself strong on their behalf. I pray, God, that you would begin to call to their remembrance the things and the way that you've worked in their lives. God, that you would remind every one of us that you have already defeated the greatest enemy we will ever face the most overwhelming odds we could ever possibly face. Lord, you have already defeated sin and death. Whatever enemy, whatever obstacle, whatever it is that we face after that, Lord, is a lesser obstacle than what you have already overcome. Help us, Lord, to be people of faith that would not shrink back, that would not be dismayed, but would be of good courage. And fear not and trust that you truly are with us wherever we go, even until the end of the age.
We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your promise. We thank you for your word. God, illuminate it to our hearts and our minds by your spirit and encourage your people. And we say, God, we make this confession today. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Lord, bless your people. Lord, challenge us and give us the grace and the faith to respond to your challenge to walk by faith. In Jesus' name, be glorified in your body. Can we just, before I say amen and dismiss, I I want us to pray for Cindy today. Amen. Just stretch your hands out here. and Father, we thank you for this saint of God, and we thank you, Lord, that you have carried her, Lord, by grace, Lord, now for over a year. Lord, we know what the reports of doctors are, and we know that she needs a miracle. But God, I am just amazed at how you have preserved her and how you have watched over and protected her. Lord God, how you have just been with her in black every step of the way. And Father, we trust that you will continue. Lord, I thank you for the favor that she's found at MD Anderson. I thank you for all the people that, Lord, you are even now ordering her steps, arranging the right people in the right places with the right treatment for her. Father, we thank you for the miracle of medical science. We believe, God, that you've given men wisdom to do these things. But Lord, we know that you are more than able to touch her with the mighty hand of your supernatural power. Lord, in an instant, you could remove cancer from this body right now. Lord, we know that you can do that. And we just declare over Cindy, there is nothing too difficult for God. So, Lord, encourage her, strengthen her, guard her heart and guard her mind with the peace that passes understanding. We upgird her. We lift her up and hold her up in prayer, God. And we pray for Black and for her family, for her children. Lord God, that they would just rest in your perfect peace just as she is. Lord, we bless her today in the name of Jesus. We thank you that she is healed, Lord, that she is eternally healed eternally, completely healed in Jesus' name. Amen.